All right, welcome everyone to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. I'm Scott Green, and my partner is right here with me, and he is... Jake Berry, glad to be back, Scott. This is the first time we've talked since uh, spring training got started. Absolutely, and you know what? Thanks for saying that, because Jake, we are here on episode 12 of Futures Focus, and this is the first episode of season two. How about that? I'm just happy you had me back for another season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a couple of people were asking about, you know, a new co-host, and <laughs> I've got some good resumes that were sent in, but, you know, I, I like to stick with my my fan favorite, Jake Berry, here. Hey, I'm, just, I'm just fighting for my spot every day. <laughs> Someone might oust me. <laughs> I don't see that happening, Scott. Okay. Um, I, I have the login to the, uh, the Anchor podcast credentials. So. Hey, yeah. Um, so what do we got going on for this episode? Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about you know spring training is underway. Our, our top fifties you know finished up the end of January and we've got a lot of great content on the website um, throughout this past month of February. A couple things I want to point out there, um, but something very exciting is we have Jim Zeely, our Indians correspondent for the website, uh, coming up uh, in just a little bit to talk all about his Indians top fifty prospects. Yeah, and you know I love that you bring up top fifty month there. I won't identify any one specific um, article. I know that top fifty January is always our biggest month. We had another huge successful month, but something else that's kind of cool is you got to keep an eye on prospects1500.com in February too, because a lot of us are putting out some kind of follow-ups to our top fifties, guys that might find their way on the list, move around in tiers and things like that. So. I love how February's kind of turned into an extension of Top 50 Month, if you will. Yeah, there was so much that we put out in February. I didn't count the number of articles. It was probably somewhere in the 20 to 25 range, though. And, you know, it was from follow-ups to the Top 50s, like you said. Uh, people that didn't make the Top 50s in our correspondence, you know, dove even deeper. We had player profiles. We had um, we had some look at, at the... Um, Tyson Banker with his looks at the baseball cards and the the prospect uh, cards that are hot in the industry and Topps Series 1 was just released a little while ago and uh, Topps Heritage just came out so he's probably going to be doing some follow-up with that. Um, You know, prospects that were invited to all of these different camp spring trainings. We had so much good content on the site in February. It's just continuing now that we're here into the beginning of March. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, there's there's actual baseball content now that we're talking in spring training. So looking forward to uh, what I suspect will be a lot of prospect spring training stat recaps and things of that nature. Yeah, my family and I were just down in Florida for a vacation week and uh, I got to drive over across Alligator Alley, which was really cool with my son. And we hit Fort Myers one morning, got to see uh, the Red Sox uh, training camp, some workouts. Uh, it was really cool to see uh, Big Poppy and Pedro were there helping out. But uh, some of the prospects, that's one of my favorite things to see is, you know, Jaron Duran had a bunch of nice rounds of BP and uh, got to see some of the young pitchers, uh, you know, doing some workouts. So, so that was really cool. And we hit one spring training game and that was in West Palm Beach. 
and it was might have been their first game and it was the the Astros against the Nationals they share a complex mm-hmm. uh, it was like a home game for both of them but uh, the Astros were getting booed the funny thing was is that the majority of the the starters that got booed they weren't even around a couple years ago when the whole cheating scandal was taking place um Christian Javier one of their top pitching prospects started through two innings he looked really really good Max Scherzer through the other two innings uh, for Washington and then we got torrentially downpoured on and the game was canceled so we kind of you know were bummed out with that as it was the only game I was able to go to but uh, you know didn't really put a damper on the vaca- damper on the vacation and I've got so many more minor league games coming up over the next few months uh, so that'll that'll be fine there yeah uh, you're coming down to uh, my neck of the woods in, in June is that right it's going to be July, middle of July. Yeah, my son and I are doing a little crazy long weekend trip, and uh, I'll talk more about that, uh, you know, through our Prospects 1500 Twitter and maybe even do a, a, a preview article on the site. But we're going to be hitting the Rome Braves on a Friday night, the uh, Birmingham Barons AA on Saturday night, and then Sunday morning driving up to Nashville. And we'll hit a triple-A sounds game on Sunday night and then fly home on Monday. It's going to be a whirlwind uh, long weekend, but that's going to be so cool. That's great. I've been to all three of those ballparks. Obviously, Rome is my my home ballpark, the one I get to the most. And and I think you're going to love Birmingham and Nashville. Nashville's park is gorgeous, and Birmingham's really done a lot in the city, too, in that area. that uh, they're, they're, moving, they're moving in the right direction, becoming really a baseball town. Awesome. So why don't we uh, take a little break? We'll come back. We'll talk to Jim about the Indians top 50 and uh, continue on here with our season two debut, episode 12 of Futures Focus. So we'll be right back after this short break. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, and welcome back to Futures Focus, our Prospects 1500 podcast. Scott Green along with Jake Berry. And Jake, my friend, I think it's time to bring on Jim Zeely, our Indians correspondent, so we can dive deep into some top 50 Indians talk. Are you ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. Reached out to Jim uh, real close to the time that his top 50 dropped. He was excited to get on here, so I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yeah, it's been uh, a little time coming, so we're glad we finally got this episode together. Jim, welcome aboard. It's great to have you part of the team. I know you've been doing a lot with with baseball photography and your other photography and writing about baseball, so we're excited to have you on board. How the hell are you? I'm doing great. Good to be here, guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on finally. Awesome. Awesome. So before we dive deep into your Indians Top 50, I know that's uh, your favorite team. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, what you've been doing uh, in the baseball industry, if you will, uh, where people can find you on social media and whatnot. Uh, floor is yours. 
Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, basically, I've been a lifelong Cleveland Indians fan. Grew up uh, east side of Cleveland, been following the tribe my whole life. Uh, remember the good old days of Municipal Stadium and obviously the Jacobs Field and uh, Progressive Field now. Uh, I've been doing a lot of baseball photography the last few years, just kind of as a fun way to uh, get a little more into the game as I get older and can play the game less and less. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Zeely Photography. That's Z-E-L-E Photography. And yeah, jo- joined in about a year ago with Prospects 1500, covered a couple All-Star games last year for the South Atlantic League and New York Penn League, and uh, have been covering the Indians since middle of last year, and it's been uh, quite the ride so far. Awesome. Yeah, we've had some good content that you put out on the site, and uh, obviously one of our biggest columns that we do each year is the Top 50 in January. So yours dropped around uh, the third week in January. And uh, I think a lot of the rankings are still pretty valid. Some guys may have moved up or down a little bit. And as we get closer to opening day, we may, you know, you can talk about some adjustments or whatnot. But let's let's look at this. Uh, Jake and I were, were talking about this, you know, before we kind of started recording here on the podcast. And definitely a couple guys I want to ask you about. Um, Jake has a couple that he certainly wants to, you know, ask and uh, probably you might, you know, want to touch on a few others as well. So I figure how we'll do this is we'll kind of look at your top 10, uh, can run through those. And then, uh, always like to ask our contributors lower than that, you know, in like the 11 to 50 range, maybe who are some guys that you see, you know, rising up, you know, this year, and then maybe some that are kind of hanging on, maybe they're going to drop down a little bit. 2020 might be really important for them. So uh, let, let's just get to it. Um, and I'll, I'll let you start off with, um, you know, why don't you just touch on who, you, who you've got for your you know, top one, two, three guys. Number one, I love. He's one of my favorites. And I got to see him um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland this past July and then play in the Futures game, as did Jake. So uh, tell us about Nolan Jones. Well, Nolan Jones is obviously number one on my list. And there's no reason not to put him number one on every Indians list. Uh, strong hitting third baseman made it up to Akron last year, double a, uh, K rates a little bit high walk rates. Great. Uh, I look for him to continue slugging in Columbus this year. Entirely possible. We see him in Cleveland at the end of the season. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we saw him even beyond September, you know, if he gets a uh, July call up, something like that, depending on injuries or whatever else, uh, long-term I see him more as a first base candidate, just with other prospects coming up through the Indian system. Uh, Jones is a little bit of a bigger guy, and I think he takes that Jim Tomey route, spends a year or two at third base, and then uh, when first base opens up with Carlos Santana uh, getting a little bit older with the, with his contract coming up, uh, I see Jones kind of fitting in at first base and providing that uh, high-average, high-power first baseman that will uh, anchor the middle of the Indians lineup uh, for several years to come. So, Jim, in your write-up for George Valera, you start out by saying it's a toss-up between Valera and Jones for the top spot. How tough of a choice was that for you for number one, number two? Like you said, we see Jones at the top of most Indians' list. And did the proximity have anything to do with it? The proximity was the entire reason. Uh, Nolan Jones, obviously, is in double-A. Valera made it. I think he had one game in Lake County last year, but he spent the majority of his season in short season Mahoning Valley. Uh, that said, George Valera, I see is kind of a, uh, Juan Soto prototype. So I could see Valera making some moves really quick this year. Um, if his talent translates to stats, obviously his stats are a little bit light last year, but 
He has all the talent in the world. You could tell he's a, a clubhouse guy that has the intangibles to really succeed in the majors. I could see him making a run and potentially getting to that triple a level this year uh, with uh, strong numbers. So the Want only reason, that, huh? absolutely. I mean, I feel like he's, he's that kind of guy in that obviously he's 19 years old right now. So he's probably not going to reach the majors at 20, but just the powers there, the smooth swing is there. He just looks like he belongs on a baseball field. And I really feel like he's going to be that guy that winds up anchoring left field for the Indians for a long time. When Jake and I were out in Ohio for the uh, All-Star weekend, we did get to go catch a Mahoning Valley game uh, that Friday night. And we were able to see Valera uh, on the field, uh, which was pretty cool that night. But we also got to see your number three prospect, Ethan Hankins, uh, in a different capacity that evening as he was sitting in the concourse signing autographs at a table and I think the majority of people were walking by not really even knowing who this player was. And I think Jake and I would attest that most Cleveland fans will know who Ethan Hankins is within the next year or so. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, That was one of the most difficult choices is to decide who gets number three and who gets number four between Ethan Hankins and Daniel Espino. That said, I put Hankins a little bit higher. I just like his arsenal a little bit more. Uh, Hankins just seems to be a little bit more like one step ahead, we'll say of Espino, just as far as control specifically of the secondary offerings. Uh, he's obviously a mid to high nineties fastball guy. His breaking stuff is incredible dances all over the place. And he's one of those guys that, yeah, I agree. Indians fans will know him in the near future. Uh, the way the Indians bring up pitchers, he is in the right system to really refine his stuff. And I think we see him really hitting the top of the Indians rotation within the next two years or so. Sounds good. Jake, I know you wanted to touch on uh, both Hankins and Espino. Yeah. And I'm, it's kind of strange for me. I'm kind of surprised that I'm not saying Hankins isn't well known around the prospect industry, but I feel like his stuff is good enough to where he should be being talked about more. And I was very pleased to see that Jim had uh, Hankins in tier one. That was great for me to see. Cause you know, like you guys said, I'm, I'm also a big Hankins guy, too. Um, I love seeing – if people listen to the podcast, follow me on Twitter, they know I love my Georgia boys, proud, proud of where we come from and, and the athletes that we produce. So I'm always rooting for those guys. And we got two Georgia pitchers back-to-back at three and four in Hankins and Espino. Uh, Espino is no secret. He was, he was kind of a, a Twitter darling, if you will, with his, with his stuff and his delivery and, and things like that coming into the draft. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about more, a little bit more about him as a pitcher, Jim, and and kind of is this guy a legit prospect or is he just you know one of those athletic freaks that we love on Twitter? No, I mean he's he's proven himself to be legit. Um, of course, you know there's a lot of guys in the world that can throw the ball hard, but Espino does it better than most. Uh, if you look at his K numbers, you know 13 Ks per nine, even at Mahoning Valley at a lower level, that's still something you can't ignore. And the 3.8 walks per nine, same deal. It's one of those things where, yeah, if you throw the ball hard, great, but you got to control it too. The low walk rate really tells me that he's moving in the right direction. Um, again, great, lively fastball, great secondary offerings. Uh, he's, like I said, Hankins and Espino are a toss-up for three and four on this list, and they'll be moving up even more when Valera and Jones move off the list. Um, but... Great pitcher. Um, 
great offerings. And yeah, it's really hard to deny the fact that he's another big part of the Indians pitching future. So if we're looking at, I know I would love to have everybody in tier one. I think we all would. And of course we're all rooting for these guys to make the major leagues in your eyes. What does Espino need to do to move into tier one? Really? I just need more proof. Um, Hankins has another year of pro ball under his belt. Mm-hmm. And I just need Espino to keep doing what he's doing basically this year. You know, hopefully he'll make it up to uh, Lake County, you know, God willing, even Lynchburg. But mm-hmm. right now I just need a little bit more proof. Um, Hankins has an extra year on him. And once Espino really proves that he can handle the higher level pitchers than or the hitters, I'm sorry, then I, there's no reason he can't be in tier one. Nice. All right. Sounds good. Number five, you have Tyler Freeman, kind of a fringe top 100 overall prospect on some uh, sources, top 100s just off on some others, uh, shortstop. Number six, another shortstop, uh, Brian Rocchio, and a um, couple middle infielders right there, uh, right in the middle of your top 10. I want to ask you about uh, your number seven guy, Tristan McKenzie, a little more, but certainly touch on Freeman and Rocchio if you'd like. I love them both. I've seen them both play, and they both have impressed me beyond belief. Uh, Freeman just hits the ball. No matter where it's thrown, he, he just gets the ball in play, which is what you need out of a speed guy that doesn't have a ton of power. His slugging percentage is light. He probably won't, doesn't profile as much of a slugger, but he gets the ball in play, and that's huge. Um, gets on base, doesn't strike out. When he does get on base, he steals bases left and right. He's just one of those kind of spark plug guys at the top of the order or at the bottom of the order, like an Omar Vizquel back in the mid-90s that just sets up the offense so well. Um, Also a good enough athlete that I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him into a Brock Holt sort of role where he's playing somewhere on the field. He's never going to have a home position, but whether it's left field, right field, one of the middle infield positions, they'll get him in the lineup just because he's that good of a hitter. With Brian Rocchio, I see him as the second coming of Lindor. Uh, you know, obviously with Lindor likely to move on within the next year to two, I think Rocchio is really in that same mold and that he's maybe a little bit undersized, but not too much. Has a lot of power. Uh, obviously, he's only 18 years old going into the season, so very young still, has time to build out. Great bat-to-ball skills, great fielding skills. I just see him as that kind of all-around gold glove defensive player and really strong hitter that profiles well as a Lindor type that will slot in and really hold down that shortstop position uh, for the coming several years for the Indians. Awesome. Yeah. Those two guys, I'm really, I haven't seen them in person, so I'm, I'm excited at some point, you know, to get to see them, especially when they make it up to double a and they're able to play for Akron and they, they roll through town near me here in Hartford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, you've got number seven on your list. It seems like, Oh, my gosh. Uh, it seems like he was just lights out, like 16, 17, 18. He missed all of 19 with an injury. So you've still got him in your top 10. High expectations there, huh? Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you can't write off the talent at this point. I mean, he's still young enough, 22 years old on opening day, that, you know, he has time to overcome the, the injuries. It's But that said, it is scary when it's a back injury with a pitcher with McKenzie's kind of windup and that he's more of that Chris sale sort of whip type action. So it is concerning on a guy, especially as lanky as McKenzie is, he's, he's not a huge, you know, power lifter by any means, but when he's healthy, I mean, he's lights out. There's no denying that. So I still have him a little bit higher up in that 
if he can put together a healthy season, make it to Cleveland, I think his stuff profiles is absolutely major league ready. It's just a matter of making sure he can stay healthy for a full year. I agree. You know, something I didn't realize, I'm looking at his stats now, his strikeouts per nine uh, minor league uh, career number is 10.8. He never had, he hasn't had a year where it was less than 10, um, you know, 12.8, 11.2, 13.10, 11.7. He didn't have one under 10 until 2018 when he, uh, he threw only nine, a little more than 90 innings uh, before he got hurt. And it was 8.6 that year. So um, yeah, that would be really cool if he can bounce back and be up over 10 again with Ks per nine. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's always worth considering too. Maybe the Indians look at him in a more of a bullpen role as well, if they're concerned about his health so they could limit the innings, but still get that strikeout potential. Yeah. Um, it's the talent. Very obviously is there when he's healthy and throwing his stuff is very refined. His control is excellent. And it's just a matter of health with McKenzie. Yep. That's all that's holding them up right now. Rounding out your top 10, three very different types of players. We've got Bo Naylor, catcher, number eight, number nine, second base, Aaron Bracco, uh, 18 years old. And uh, number 10, 24-year-old Daniel Johnson seems like, I don't know, it seems like I've been looking at him forever, although I think I saw him just a couple years ago in Hartford AA when he was playing for Harrisburg before uh, he went over to the Indian system. So uh, round out the top 10 here with uh, Naylor, Bracco, and Johnson for us. Sure. Um, Naylor is probably one of the better catching prospects that is out there right now. Um, young guy, still 20 years old on opening day this year, uh, put up good, if not great numbers at Lake County last year, but still very solid for a young catcher, uh, good power, power numbers, strike out 23% of the time, which not great, not horrible, you know, could do better, but his, uh, power number is a 178 ISO, uh, looks pretty good, uh, defensively 58% caught stealing percentage, uh, 98.5% fielding percentage as a whole. Great defensive catcher, solid hitting catcher. Uh, one of those things where you could even see him profiling in as a first baseman or a corner outfielder if, you know, the baseball gods decide that's where he belongs. But uh, all the offensive talent appears to be there. The defensive talent appears to be there. So really hope to see him uh, make his move upwards. Obviously, being a catcher, they'll uh, delay his development a little bit. But hopefully he'll get a chance to work with Roberto Perez in the – in Cleveland and, you know, generally learn from Berto and succeed as a catcher for the Indians. Uh, with Bracco, uh, young second baseman. Again, he is in Mahoning Valley this year. Um, probably expect to see him there next year as well. He's pretty young. He's only 18 years old. So uh, offensive numbers were fantastic last year. Great walk percentage, decent K percentage. The power was a 570 slugging percentage. Can't really argue with that, you know. So. Right. Hopefully with uh, his young age, he still has time to develop and continue uh, playing well, and we'll see him move up rapidly through the system. And then my breakout guy for 2020 is Daniel Johnson. I think he's really going to lock down the right field position in Cleveland this year. Uh, Scott, like you said, a little bit older, 24 years old, uh, has had a couple of good prospect years, but it seemed like he really put it together last year. Uh, 290 batting average, 507 slug. Uh, 868 OPS, which you can't argue with that. Good K percentage, good walk percentage, steals bases, uh, has a cannon for an arm in right field. So 
with the Indians outfield situation being what it is and uh, being very much in flux, he's one of those guys that with a good spring training, he could really lock in his position in, in right field in Cleveland in, come April. Before we move on to, uh, you know, further down the list here, I just want to give Jake the floor. If, Jake, if you've got any other comments or questions about Jim's top 10 here, uh, let's do that now. My last question on the top 10, Jim, you pretty much answered it when you're when you're talking about Daniel Johnson there because I pulled up roster resource in front of me here and I'm looking at all these outfielders the Indians have that are either in the major leagues right now or guys like Jake Bowers who are showing up in AAA on roster resource, but, you know, very obviously a big leaguer. So you're saying you think Daniel Johnson has a chance to be a starting right fielder for the Indians this year? He's my guy. I really do. Um, I think he kind of has the, the whole package that they need in right field. He hits. He's a good defender, good power guy from the left side of the plate. I see him as a very big asset from the Indians for 2020. I love it. Yeah, I love it, too. I mean, with roster resource, uh, as Jake mentions, uh, is a nice resource we like to look at. Uh, Mercado, Santana, and Allen as their starting outfielders with the Shields and Luplo on the bench in the majors. And then if you look at the minor leagues and you've got Bowers and Zimmer and Johnson and Kai Tom, and there's just so many outfielders there. And uh, I love the call on Johnson being the 2020 breakout guy. Yeah, agreed. All right. So, Jim, let's look a little further. Uh, you've got 40 other prospects on your list here because we go deep <laughs> at Prospects 1500. We go top 50. Um, give us some guys that are a little further down, maybe some that you are looking at, again, maybe 2020 as breakouts, uh, risers who might be going from the 30s or 40s up into the teens or 20s this year. What do you think? Well, the first one I'll call out is an interesting name in that he's a little bit older at 25 years old. But, Scott, you just mentioned him in Ka'ai Tom. Uh, young guy. Uh, well, not young guy necessarily by prospect language, but uh, made it to AAA last year. and I, Great year. 290 batting average, 912 OPS across Columbus and Akron. He, I wonder if he's one of those late bloomers that kind of started to figure it out. K percentage is good. Walk percentage is good. Uh, he's always been great on defense, plays all three outfield positions, and he's in the right organization in that the Indians don't necessarily have, outside of Oscar Mercado, any lockdown outfielder. So he's one of those guys that I really look to hopefully make his name in Cleveland. Even if it's only as a fourth outfielder, he's in the right organization to get that done. So I hope to see him make a move this year. Um, kind of moving down my list a little bit, if we want to get into some of the uh, younger fellas, uh, another interesting name to talk about is Brian Lavastida, a uh, catcher who spent most of his year in Mahoning Valley, uh, made a brief appearance in Lake County, but I expect him to move up as well. Uh, another catching prospect, but if you look at his line, 335 average, 481 slugging, uh, steals a few bases here and there. K percentage and walk percentage are nearly identical at 11%. Uh, he's one of those guys as well where he converted to catcher after he got drafted by the Indians. But hitting-wise, fantastic athlete, looks really good behind the plate. I look for him to be right on Bo Naylor's uh, heels moving up through the system, and we might wind up in another situation in Cleveland where you get Brian Lavastida and Bo Naylor splitting time similar to how Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes did previously. 
So great catching prospect that's moving up the ranks quickly as well. He's another one of my guys to keep an eye on. Yeah. And you know what? I wanted to say something about Tom. Uh, as we all, a lot of us are in several fantasy baseball and dynasty leagues and s- some uh, data that I've seen out there for these 50 round draft and holds that are happening is that uh, Tom is a favorite pick of many uh, as you get down into the second half of these 50 round draft and hold leagues uh, with a a good chance that he's going to see major league time this year. That's entirely possible. I mean, one way or another, you know, even if it's not with the Indians, which I think it will be again, with the outfield situation being a little bit in flux in Cleveland right now, probably will be. But at the same time, there is certainly trade value there as well. You know, there's other teams out there that can use a good fourth outfielder or, you know, in other situations where they could use an everyday outfielder. And Tom is really starting to prove that he can be that guy. So he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. I mean, there's good power numbers, good on base numbers, and he really profiles well as a a player that can uh, provide good fantasy value regardless of the team that he's actually playing for. Yeah. Uh, I want to go... I've got a few guys I want to ask him about that's lower in his tier three, but go ahead. I know you've got you some questions. Yeah. I want to go back up into the teens real quick. And I want to ask about uh, 17 and 18 in particular, two guys that are in very different spots in their career right now. Um, and Jim, please correct me if I say these names wrong. John Kenzie Noel. Is that right? I believe it's, it's a soft J. It's a Jan Kenzie Noel, but Noel. Hey. Yeah. We're good. Tell, tell us a little bit about him because I'm looking at this video that you've got in your top 50 uh, underneath 17, and this dude's lower half is huge. He's only 18 years old. You document a little bit about uh, the difference in size that you see published in different places. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you know about this guy and kind of his skill set. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, he's a beast. He's 18 years old. They already have him, like you said, at 6'1", 180, but people have him pushing 6'3", 230. So we got a really big range there. And just looking at the video, it looks like he's on the higher end of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously a huge power hitter. Really reminds me of that Fran Mio Reyes sort of skill set in that he might not be the fastest guy on four wheels, but at the same time, he just hits the ball seven miles every time he connects. So I'm really excited to watch this guy play. Uh, They have him in the outfield right now. I see him more as a first base DH type just because of size. He's going to grow for a couple more years. But Mm -hmm. the power is there. Uh, The K percentage is pretty good. The walk percentage is good, which tells me he has good control of the strike zone. Uh, Power is there. OPS is there. Just everything seems to be coming together really well for this guy right now to be a good, you know, first base DH prospect in the future. He's 18. He's 18 opening day. Uh, Some Arizona League, rookie league uh, last year. Do you see him another full year in Arizona or might he make it up to uh, Mahoning Valley short season? I could see him making it up to Mahoning Valley. Um, His numbers are pretty solid in the AZL last year. So the Indians tend to be fairly aggressive at least in my experience in the lower levels um and i wouldn't be surprised if we did see him make an appearance in mahoning valley at least for a part of the season if not the whole season all right cool jake number 18 yeah before we move on i wouldn't recommend this strategy to our listeners out there but i was literally just scrolling through this top 50 whenever it got published and i saw yon kenzie noel's legs and i said all right i gotta get that guy on my fancy <laughs> <team somewhere." laughs> i did the same thing yeah in duos yes <laughs> 
Um, yeah, let's move on to 18. A guy, you know, there's a lot of talk about him uh, in spring training and things like that. James Karinchak, again, please correct me if I, if I mispronounce any names. Uh, and what you see for him in 2020, we know he'll be up in the big leagues. Is that is a reliever? Yeah, I mean, he's he absolutely profiles as a reliever. Uh, he's a two-pitch guy, has his breaking ball and his fastball, which are both out-of-the-park great pitches. Um, I see him taking over for Brad Hand in the closer role. Uh, it's pretty easy to profile Karinchak there. Uh, it's Think of Andrew Miller uh, a few years ago with the Indians. It's just he has two pitches. You know one of them's coming, but you can't hit either of them. Gotcha. So the breaker breaks, the fastball runs high and in on the righties and runs away from the lefties. It's just, it's really wild to watch him pitch, just how good he is. Uh, I really see him as, you know, kind of the heir apparent to the closer role in Cleveland, and it's not really a difficult discussion to get him there. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I'm reading the stat line from 2019 correctly. 1.14 ERA and a 5.55 FIP. You are reading it correctly. <laughs> and then a yep. twenty twenty point seven k for nine, right? I yeah, mean, that's I the best another part. One I wanted to ask about. I know it's only thirty five innings, but that just that just takes you back when you see numbers like that. It, that's exactly it. You know, he, he did uh, deal with some injuries in twenty nineteen, although nothing serious. It was a hamstring, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, that twenty point seven k for nine for a guy that you want out there in high leverage innings. It's hard to argue with that. It's just the way this guy throws the ball and misses bats. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So one guy I think has been a little bit of a faller is Will Benson. And then I know you've got number 22, Alex Free Planet. Is it Planet or Planez? He's Planez. a riser. He's got a lot of helium in, uh, in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Benson's an interesting case in that I love watching the guy play. Um, big guy, he's about six, five, just looks like he can kill the ball. And when he hits the ball, he does. But the issue is, is just at every next level, he has such a hard time adapting. It took him about half a year to really get in at, at Lake County and settle in. And then when they moved him up to Lynchburg, it was the same deal. You know, he played great in Lake County for the first half of the year. Second half, they moved him up and he, he struggled. So the talents there, great outfielder, great arm great power when he hits he hits really well it's just i'm concerned that you know as you get to higher levels benson's going to have less forgiveness to you know take six months to a year to settle in so i i just need more consistency out of him before i move him up more other than that i still think he has all the talent in the world and i hope the best for him i just want to see that consistency as far as Planez goes, uh, Scott, you're right, is he's a huge riser in that, again, uh, young outfielder at 18 years old. Uh, missed most of last year with a broken handmate bone, but just the skill set is absolutely there. Um, young guy, we should see him in possibly Mahoning Valley this year. Really smooth mechanics in his swing. Uh, really good speed, solid outfielder. He's one of those guys that has everything talent-wise going for him, and if he could put it together, he's really going to rise through the system quickly. All right. We've got a few more minutes here with uh, Jim Zeely, our Indians correspondent on Prospects 1500. Jim, let's look at Tier 4 and 5, and let's kind of round out this discussion with some of these uh, players that are deeper down on your list that you think we should be keeping an eye on this year. Yeah. uh, The first one is number 24 on my list is Eli Morgan, a young pitcher. 23 years old, made it up to Columbus last year. Uh, Quick riser. He's one of those guys that's not going to overpower you with his stuff, 
but his command is fantastic, and he has one of the best changeups in the minor league system. Uh, he's really built off of that to strike out a ton of batters. Uh, yet to be seen whether he's going to be a starter or, or a reliever. Uh, but Indians being what they are, you know, it's always next man up in the rotation. So I could see him starting some games in Cleveland this year. Uh, Ernie Clements, another good one, uh, probably profiles as a utility infielder, but he's one of those guys that doesn't do anything great, but does a lot of things really good. Again, with that 7.6% K percentage, uh, 6.2 walk percentage, he's not going to hit the, the ball out of the ballpark all the time, but he's going to get on base and he's going to keep your offense moving. So two interesting guys right there. Uh, moving down the list a little bit as well. Uh, the, you have Sam Henkes, who has been an uh, interesting case. Uh, a little bit of a control issue. He's 6'8", so he's a big guy. has a tough time repeating his delivery sometimes. But uh, all reports out of spring training this year have him hitting 98, 99 miles an hour with his fastball. So hopefully he dials in that control and can you know pair up that velocity with his secondary offerings and really uh, make a run of the Cleveland bullpen or rotation. I see him more of his bullpen type, but he can make the rotation as well, depending on the, the team's needs. So there's three uh, throughout the lower part of the list that are worth monitoring going forward here. I want to ask you, oh, sorry. Jake, go ahead. Yeah. I, I had to step away for just a second. So if you mention this guy, just tell me to, Hey, pay better attention next time. 31, Jonathan Rodriguez. He slipped a little bit. Um, I was hoping you could tell us if it sounds like he's a toolsy guy. I was hoping you could tell us if the tools were good enough for you to stash and kind of hope that the K rate works out. I guess a better way to phrase this question is how deep would a league have to be for me to roster Jonathan Rodriguez? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, the, the K percentage is the only reason why I have him that far down in that, you know, if I'm going to stash a younger guy, I want to see his K percentage probably below 20% only in that that's not something that necessarily gets better easily over time. Mm-hmm. So you would need a pretty deep league, but at the same time, you know, maybe the, the 50, 60 pick league, you could make a case to stash him. Um, and you know, those things go in any direction as well. Projecting a guy at 20 years old can still be tricky. Sure. So it's one of those things where I, personally wouldn't on certain fantasy teams, but I also could understand the justification if you do. The player I wanted to ask you about as we kind of wrap things up here, you have him at number 50 down at the bottom of your list. Uh, Jordis Valdez. He was their second round pick this past year in the MLB draft. Uh, your little profile on him says glove first prospect. And I guess it was kind of a, you know, not a huge sample size, uh, with some not some not a great slash line for Valdez, but some interesting numbers uh, to to keep an eye on. Fifteen stolen bases. He's got some speed, but we don't like that almost thirty percent K percentage. So, um, you agree? This is certainly someone the Indians are high on as a second round pick. Yeah, certainly. Um, he's going to stay on the list one way or another, just because he deserves some sort of attention. But like you said, that slash line kind of gives me a little bit of cold feet um, would like to see obviously the batting average improve significantly, but you're right. Great speed. Um, and you look at the guy above him in Quentin Holmes as well. Uh, speed burner hasn't had great success at the plate yet. So but with both of those guys, really, I just need to see better on base and just general hitting numbers, but they're both fantastic players. And if they can get the bat to the ball more and make things happen with their legs, then yeah, they're going to both move up this list in a big hurry. 
I have to, Scott, if you don't have anybody else on the list right now you want to ask about, I have to ask about one more person before we let Jim go. Yeah, no, go ahead. And then I'm going to let Jim just, he's got a couple things he wants to, you know, let everyone know about what he's got, uh, you know, in the queue and coming up on the website in the near future. So I know he's got an injury, but where does Emmanuel Class A slide into your list? Uh, so he, Class A is not on the list only because he spent so much time in the majors with Texas last year, but the Indians bullpen is probably the thing I'm most excited for in the future between a guy that's not on my list and Robert Broom, who's put up some great numbers in double A last year. Uh, Nick Samlin, same deal, a little bit of an injury concern, but I've seen him pitch and there's no straight pitch that that guy throws. It's all dancing all over the zone. Then you got class A and you got Karinchak. Class A, I think really stacks up as a great kind of in the Della and Batonsis mode where he's not the closer, but he's the fireballing out getter. Uh, Class A is right up there. He's probably one of the guys I'm most excited to watch pitch this year. So he's uh, going to be a huge part of the Indians bullpen going forward here. Great. I, lo- I love the passion, Jim. You can certainly tell that uh, you know, you're an Indians guy, and, and we love to have that with the website. And you can really you know, tell you know, a lot about these players for our readers. And, and you, you bring that great love uh, for um, – for the tribe to prospects 1500. So definitely thank you for being part of the team. We're looking forward to an exciting year. Let our listeners know uh, you've got some exciting things planned and in the queue coming up over the next couple months. I do. Uh, in addition to the photography that I hope to continue providing for the site, uh, my March and April content is going to be a revolve around the fact that uh I will go ahead and make the bold claim now that the Cleveland Indians are going to end the streak and we are going to win the World Series in 2024. Uh, I have a four-part column that I'm working on with Scott to uh, get up to the site within the next uh, four to six weeks here. And we will walk through every step of the way to find out how the Indians are going to finally, finally, finally bring home a World Series trophy to Cleveland. Did you just say that the Indians are going to win the World Series? I did. 2024, we're winning the World Series. And coincidentally, there's a ton of ETA 2023 guys on your list, too, Jim. <laughs> you uh, might have noticed that, and that's exactly kind of what I'm looking at here, is that with everybody hitting the big leagues at the same time, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a good, a good year to be an Indians fan. All right, that sounds good. So, Jim, I know as we uh, started here, uh, you were letting uh, everyone know about uh, Zeely Photography, uh, at uh, Zeely Photography on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, where else can people uh, follow you uh, other than reading uh, the articles on this site? Just uh, let the audience know, and then we'll get things wrapped up here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, actually, the Twitter and Instagram are the two best places at Zeely Photography. Uh, my content gets posted at ZBaseball86 on, uh, for the Prospects 1500 columns. Uh, actually relocated from North Carolina to New York City over the offseason, so I'll be doing a lot more with the New York Penn League this year. Uh, a little bit of Eastern League, uh, might make it down to Wilmington for some more Carolina League action, or Lakewood for uh, South Atlantic. Uh, but I'll have a little bit of a different uh, group of teams that I'll be pho- photographing this year. And uh, yeah, looking forward to posting new content and uh, continuing to work with Prospects 1500. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch for uh, joining us, and uh We'll definitely have you back on again. Yeah, thank you guys. Really appreciate the time. All right.
Jake, you and I will be uh, back uh, after this uh, short break and we'll wrap up this episode of uh, Futures Focus right after this. And welcome back to Futures Focus. Jake, that was an amazing talk with Jim Zeely, our Indians correspondent, went through the Indians' top 50, and what an exciting system. Absolutely. Great conversation with Jim. You know, it helps when it's an awesome system, but it really makes the conversation when we get in touch with somebody who's as knowledgeable about the team, about the prospects as Jim is, and and you can really hear that come out in the interview. You mentioned he loves Indians baseball, and he knows it through and through, so really enjoyed having Jim on. And one more thing I need to say is – the images, the photographs in his top 50 are absolutely gorgeous. He takes all those himself, right? He does. He incorporated a lot of tweets, uh, some from our friends uh, at Indians Pro on Twitter. Um, but uh, Jim does a lot of his own photography. Uh, he's got his company, Zeely Photography. Um, and if it's not throughout the top 50, on a, you'll, you'll see his photos uh, on a lot of other articles that we put out on the site, as I always will tag and link and credit our photographers uh, and the photos that we use. So definitely some great work there. Um, And you know what? You and I, I think we can appreciate that Indian system a little more just because we were able to be out there last year. We saw a game in Mahoning Valley and we saw a game in Lake County. So we saw some of these players uh, and and we can appreciate that, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot of fun, you know, and, and kind of spending that time up in Cleveland there. I was afraid we were turning into uh, Indians fans up there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That won't happen. But, yeah, you're right. It's always fun when you when you get live looks at these guys. Even if it's just one time, you feel a, a different connection with that prospect, if you will, after that live look. Did you know that the Braves uh, lost to the Red Sox today? <laughs> no, I did not know that the Braves lost to the Red Sox. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. You know, I, I almost made it out without any uh, Red Sox Braves trash talk when they were playing today. And, and well, I, I here, think here, here in the outro, you get me. <laughs> I think you and I, we should do our own podcast. I don't know if it's the next one we do or one coming up a little later in March. You and I can go back and forth. Let's talk about Braves and Red Sox prospects and go through our top 50 on one of these. Is that how, would you be up for that? Yeah, I'm itching to do it, man. I got a lot to say about the top of the system, too. You you know that. I do know that. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this has been a great episode. Again, thank you for being an awesome co-host. And, um, you know, this is going to be like the best year for Prospects 1500. You're back to do Prospects of the Week work, which I like to help out on. I, I know you kind of pull a lot of the players in. I like to throw you some names and give you some ideas also so we can pick the best players each week from each level so um i'm excited for that again maybe we can even take it to a new level in 2020 um I, and like you said earlier you let, just follow the site we're still going to pump out great content we've got correspondence from every organization we have correspondence for each of the leagues you know be it the california league the eastern league uh texas league And then, you know, we've got other special contributors for the hobby and baseball cards and international prospects. And it's it's just, you know, we're going to rock and roll and have another great year. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Love prospects of the week. A lot of names that, trust me, we know a lot of prospects. 
a lot of names that I have to go back and look up whenever uh, we're hunting down for some of those numbers and things like that. So it's a good way to to expand your knowledge, your prospect vocabulary, if you will, and, and uh, learn about some of those dark horse players and things like that. And and yeah, you know, obviously happy to be back covering the Braves too. So um, I, the site is going in a great direction, and and I could not be more excited to to be a part of it. All right. Well, thank you, Jake. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Berries underscore baseball. I am Scott Green. You catch me on Twitter at Scotty, S-C-O-T-T-Y underscore ball game. Uh, the website, of course, and follow our feed at Prospects 1500. And, uh, and we're going to be back with the uh, next episode uh, coming up really soon. So uh, for, for now, I want to thank Jake. I want to thank Jim Zeely. And uh, this is Scott Green saying so long for episode 12. We'll be back in a little bit with episode 13. This has been Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. We'll catch you next time.